0: So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Genesis, chapter 1, verse 27 Hello everyone, my name is Chris Hasler, and if you have decided to listen to this particular podcast, then you are about to embark on an incredible journey of discovery. This is the chronological history of the world in podcast form. It may well be the podcast that you have been looking for. However, just to make sure, we need to explain what exactly we mean by the term the history of the world. When we talk about the history of the world, what do we mean by the world? Well, if I showed you a picture of the world, you might expect to see a map of the continents and oceans, or even you might expect to see a picture of the planet Earth. When you refer to the dictionary, the explanation is the Earth together with all of its countries and peoples. So this actually talks about planet Earth in its current condition because of course if we go back far enough in history then countries and peoples haven't always existed. So there is a very definitive distinction between planet Earth and the world. So if I want to describe a history of the world I would want to describe how the modern societies of our world have formed and I would want to describe the journey of peoples. So should I start with the two world wars and how they have shaped the globalised world that we live in today? Should I start earlier with the emergence of the European empires and how they scrambled for supremacy over one another through industrial and colonial means? Or even earlier with the Renaissance and Reformation and the Age of Exploration which shaped the modernization of these European states. I could go back even further to the medieval cultures and explore how most of the modern nations began to form in the first place. How about looking at the classical cultures such as the Romans and how religion started becoming more of a factor in an otherwise secular society. Rome wouldn't have been such a sophisticated society if it hadn't have been for the deep thinking and well-organized ancient cultures such as Greece and Egypt. To get to that point, however, the human being had to evolve into an individual of complete self-consciousness and with a desire to have a purpose on the planet. So therefore, I choose to start this story of the history of the world right back to the evolution of humans. Because it is the fact that we are human that has shaped the world we live in today. And in order to understand the world that we live in today, we need to understand what makes us human. The creation or evolution of the human being The modern human being, did we evolve or were we created? At the beginning of the podcast I read how the modern bible describes the creation of human beings. The belief of this description of human creation by God is called creationism. Creationism used to be the widely accepted reason as to how we are here by those who read and believed the words of the bible. God created us and put us here to be fruitful and multiply and we have done just that and become a population of 7.6 billion individuals who colonise most of our planet of residence. The contention arose through waves of support for the scientific theory that God did not create humans on the sixth day and that human beings evolved from an earlier non-human animal over a large amount of time Now I could at this point go straight into a story about Charles Darwin the English naturalist who in the 19th century published the most famous book on this very subject of evolution by means of natural selection He can certainly be described as a figurehead for the evolutionary theory of humans However the ancient Greek philosopher called Anaximander stated that he believed that creatures that lived in the sea, such as fish, are ancestral to humans. And Anaximander was alive two and a half thousand years before Charles Darwin. Later on and during the medieval period, a celebrated Islamic writer called Al-Jahiz, who lived around 1,200 years ago, recognised how food chains were influential to the creatures who survived stating how weak animals were devoured by stronger animals and that mankind was very much a part of this natural struggle. During the Renaissance various scientists began to publish thoughts about the fact that the universe, the earth itself and all life on earth emerged as the result of natural events without divine guidance. Regardless of this, still the widely accepted Christian view was the creationist explanation given in the book of Genesis, and therefore any scientific contradiction would just be harebrained and worse still, completely blasphemous. Creationism and the word of the Bible was starting to be questioned, and this was a huge turning point in how human beings looked at themselves. Charles Darwin Charles Darwin, the most celebrated individual who championed the evolutionary theory of humans. His theories weren't always quite so celebrated in mainstream society, however. Charles Robert Darwin was born in Shrewsbury, England in 1809. Charles came from a Unitarian upbringing, which although was wholly Christian, it challenged the standard belief in the unquestionable world of the Bible so therefore it was quite a progressive form of Christianity at the time. He was academically successful, but was exposed to scientific ideas that challenged the typical Christian teachings and beliefs of this time. He studied biological and geological subjects while at school, gaining great expertise across many aspects of these subjects. When Charles Darwin came onto the scientific scene in the 19th century, He was born into a world where the evolutionary discussion had been excited by his own grandfather Erasmus Darwin, among others. Evolutionary theories were being thrown around already about natural pressures being responsible for physical change, but all of these theories were being tentatively published due to the mainstream Christian creationist beliefs making it a dangerous game to play, challenging the Bible's word. Not all of the scientists could agree on the method of human evolution either. What Charles Darwin did is piece together all of the theories and make sense of it all through his own observations. He pushed the idea of natural conditions forcing the stronger of a species to survive and evolve into a new species. And the weaker animals would disappear into the oblivion of extinction, Darwin's work was so well thought out and demonstrated, that it was a dangerous challenge to the creationist view. It was through his book, On the Origin of Species by Means of Natural Selection or the Preservation of Favoured Races in the Struggle for Life, to give it its full title, that Charles Darwin made his impact. The most controversial aspect of Darwin's book was the claim that men descended from monkeys. Although it was not a new concept, Darwin had expressed it in such a way to cause a chasm between those scientists who read sense into it and those creationists who completely dismissed it as rubbish. Such was the excitement caused by this publication that it soon became a subject for the public to seriously consider whereas previously it was much more of a scientific debate which was not nearly as seriously thought about by the populace. This is how the phrase Darwinism became common as the way we describe this theory. Those who believed in Darwinist theory began to make it their business to look for the fossils that would prove the theory to be true. And we will meet some of the characters involved in this new branch of science called paleoanthropology in some of our future episodes. The conclusion of one text that I read rather succinctly put it, that if it's a question of religion versus science, then the religious position has shifted since Darwin's lifetime and the scientific position has not. However, to clarify, this podcast is not set up to upset creationist theory but more to discuss the discoveries that have led us to create a chronological history of human beings. And this podcast will tell that story, the story of our evolution through the evidence of archaeology. 66 million years ago. So we begin our story of the history of the world 66 million years ago. There were no humans in existence. In fact, many of the modern animals that we know and love had not yet evolved. There was even no such thing as grass, for even that had not yet evolved. The map of the world looked different. Africa was separated from Asia, and India was a continent all of its own, floating in the middle of the Indian Ocean. I have had a go at creating a map which gives a rough idea as to what the world looked like back then. And you can see this map by going to the website historyoftheworldpodcast.com and going to the volume 1 link. You can certainly recognise the modern continents but there are some very distinct differences. How do we know that the world looked like this? Well it's through geological research and the sharing of ideas that points us towards this as a general belief. Some layers of rock on land masses are very similar to others and not necessarily close to each other now. They were thought to be a lot closer in the past, which explains the reasoning. More importantly, this was the age of the dinosaurs. So this map of the world was also a map of the dinosaurs world, but it was also the last map of the dinosaurs world, as something major was about to happen. An asteroid, the size of a small city, came from outer space on a collision course for planet Earth. The asteroid sped through our atmosphere and struck the planet. Such was the force of the impact that it set off a wave of earthquakes and volcanic eruptions around the planet. The impact took place to the south of the North American continent. Mega tsunamis, thousands of meters high, destroyed the Gulf Coast and the neighboring Caribbean and many, many miles beyond. Debris was expelled into the atmosphere in huge quantities and in huge pieces, burning ferociously in the atmosphere and creating the land to huge firestorms. The atmosphere became a layer of dust. There was no sunlight for years to come. Many plants that relied on sunlight to photosynthesize died, and those animals that relied on them for oxygen and food died with them. And that's If they weren't already wiped out by the apocalyptic events following the initial impact. As a result, after 130 million years of dominating planet Earth, the dinosaurs finally became extinct. The crater of the impact still exists and was identified in 1990 by a team of scientists who had already discovered the geological evidence of the impact in the layers of rock near what they would later discover to be the impact site. The crater is called the Chicxulub Crater and is hidden under the Yucatan Peninsula of modern-day Mexico. It is not believed that we evolved from dinosaurs and that's probably just as well because we quite possibly wouldn't be here now if we did, thanks to this nuisance asteroid. However, something must have survived this mass extinction event to become human if we are to believe in Darwinism. So what could it have been? To answer this question we have to look at what the human being is and what animal category we fall into. Firstly we are considered as human beings to be great apes or hominids as they are otherwise known. The great apes that are alive today are the orangutans, the gorillas, the chimpanzees and us. All of these great apes, alongside gibbons and the lesser apes, are considered to be collectively known as simply apes. Collect all of the apes together, with all of the old world monkeys and new world monkeys, and we are collectively known as simians. And with all of the tarsias, lemurs, galagos and loricids, we are collectively called primates. So we should try to initially establish the origin of primates and whether they were alive at the time of the asteroid impact 66 million years ago. Primates Purgatorius was a small mammal that is believed to have looked like a modern rat and it is believed that it was alive when the asteroid wiped out the dinosaurs. It was around 6 inches in length and weighed about 1 ounce. It is highly debated whether Purgatorius was an ancestor of the primates but it is thought that this animal is a good candidate for a possible ancestor. There was a fossil discovered in China in 2003 which appears to be one of the first distinct primates. These animals are classified as Archacebus achilles and appear to have also been around one ounce in weight, similar to Purgatorius. These animals were tiny and believed to have had an insectivorous diet which may explain how it was possible for it or its ancestor, to survive the mass extinction event. This animal was alive some 10 million years after the extinction event. So we're still talking about a point in time roughly 55 million years ago. Primates were distinguishable by the comparatively large brains, and are believed have traded the characteristically mammalian strong sense of smell for an improvement in visual capabilities. Over the course of the next 10 to 15 million years simians emerged as a distinct part of the primate order of animals. Putting this in the most general sense simian is a very similar term to monkey. During this period we start seeing some of the other more familiar animals appear for the first time. Lagomorphs appeared, which are today's rabbits, hares and pikers. Rodents, armadillos, bats, tapirs, rhinos and camels first appeared among others. Whales started to live in the waters and the Indian subcontinent approached Asia before its collision would ultimately create the Himalayan mountain range. Mammals were starting to grow larger and significantly diversify, supplanting the dinosaurs as the dominant terrestrial animals of the planet. Those simians which were evolving in Africa and Eurasia are thought of as the Old World simians, but the apes became distinct from them possibly around 20 million years ago. Africa had long since linked up with the Eurasian landmass, allowing for easy migration between the two continents. Also by this time, the first butterflies and moths had appeared as well as the first peccaries, eagles and hawks. Elephants and deer became distinct as well as the first true dogs and cats. It is extremely patchy regarding these timelines and by and large a lot of them are guessed as the only clues available to us are within the fossil record. So please don't be too critical of my information as this is a very general timeline of events. We are now within the most recent 20 million years and quite early in this period it is thought that the great apes Diversified from the lesser apes. The living great apes are the orangutan, the gorilla, the chimpanzee, and the human. It is believed that the orangutan speciated first as a distinct animal, followed by the gorilla, and finally by the chimpanzee, which means that the chimpanzee is believed to be our closest living relation on the planet. So we can see that the human being has been a product of 60 million years of evolution from those small mammalian creatures that survived the asteroid strike 66 million years ago. Our story now brings us to within the last 10 million years. The chimpanzee-human last common ancestor. Let us now try to establish what the last common ancestor of humans and our closest living relatives, the chimpanzee, was. If you were sitting next to a chimpanzee, you and your chimpanzee companion would find that you both descend from two parent individuals who were alive just a few million years ago. So you could say in the grand scheme of life on Earth that you and your chimpanzee friend are closely related. By comparison to other animals, you could be justified in calling each other a cousin. The question of who these prehistoric individuals are and when they were alive has challenged the greatest scientific minds for many decades. Michel Brunet is a paleontologist who was born in the French department of Vienne in 1940. Paleontology is the study of prehistoric life. Brunet was a man who believed that clues to the emergence of man could be found in the savannah grasslands of Africa and was very interested in exploring the area around Lake Chad, which is directly accessible from four different African countries. The government of the Republic of Chad allowed Brunei to conduct research in the Jurab Desert and between 2001 and 2002, Brunei and his colleagues discovered fossils that dated back around 6 to 7 million years ago. Brunei claimed that these fossils belonged to a possible ancestor of human beings. Nine cranial specimens of this animal were discovered and demonstrated that the spinal column entered the skull at an angle which would strongly suggest that the animal walked upright on two legs. The animal was given the taxonomic name of Caelanthropus chadensis, which nominally suggests that it is an ancestor of humans that was discovered in the Sahel region of Chad. The fact that Brunei had claimed that Sahelanthropus chadensis is ancestral to humans has excited debate as the amount of uncertainty surrounding such discoveries is far too much for other scientists and experts to resist. The scientific community are falling over themselves to discover fossils of human ancestors. Some scientists have suggested that the animal could be ancestral to chimpanzees and even gorillas. Some scientists have suggested that the dating of the animal is questionable as you have to date the sedimentary rock surrounding the fossils and some suggest that the sedimentary rock may not be contemporary and that the fossilised bones could have been reburied over time. Some even claim that this animal may not even be directly ancestral to any of the extant that is living great apes. So we have to categorise this animal through analysis of probabilities. It is probable that Salanthropus chudensis is either directly ancestral or closely linked to the ancestral line of human evolution, and it is probable that it is around 6 to 7 million years old. It is possible that this animal is also directly ancestral to chimpanzees, or at least closely related to the ancestral line. And that is pretty much all we can say until more fossils are uncovered that can reveal more clues. So we are not confident that this is specifically the human-chimpanzee last common ancestor, but there is very little else in the fossil record that has more relevance than Sahelanthropus. Other discoveries So what is there that we can say is definitely more closely related to humans than to chimpanzees? At around the same time, that being the very beginning the 21st century, another French team were working in the Tugan Hills in Kenya when another discovery was made. By the year 2007, around 20 specimens of this new hominin had been uncovered. The fossils were dated to around 6 million years ago and were thought to be more recent than Salanthropus chadensis. This new fossil was called Aurorin Tugenensis. Aurorin means original man, so the discoverers were keen to label this as a potential human ancestor. Tugenensis refers to the Tugan hills, where it was discovered. Scientists are surprised at how human-like the hands are, compared to other prehistoric fossils of a similar age and indeed of a more recent age too. Even though they believe that this animal would have lived within evergreen forests and would have been a habitual tree dweller, they do recognise that it would have been used to walking on two legs. Once again, it is very difficult indeed to determine exactly where this animal fits into the story of human ancestry, but it is certain that it is very closely related to our evolution. If we move forward again, so that we are exploring the discoveries made that date to the period between six and four million years ago, then we should talk about a very important discovery made by the famed American paleoanthropologist Tim White in 1992. 17 fossils belonging to the same species of animals were found in the Afar depression of Ethiopia. The most important thing about this discovery was its age at around 4.4 million years ago. So it was much more recent than anything we have already discussed, but older than the Australopithecus that was already widely known of in the paleontology field. Now the Australopithecus is what is widely accepted as one of the last human-like animals to have existed before we can say that we turned into human animals. The Australopithecus is dated to around 3 million years ago. So to find a potential link at four and a half million years ago is very important. So we can now establish that certainly by four and a half million years ago there were unarguably animals on this planet that we more closely relate to humans than to chimpanzees purely due to their physical forms. The two lines had confidently diverged from one another. RD. Let's now take a closer look at this four and a half million year old animal and whether we consider it to be an Australopithecine, which is the closest extinct subtribe related to modern humans. The 17 fossils that were discovered by Tim White in Ethiopia in 1992 and that were dated. To around 4.5 million years ago, were originally thought to be one of the first Australopithecus animals to have lived. However, Tim White felt that the fossils showed enough to be considered as distinct, and thus gave them a different name: Ardipithecus, with the Ardi being a local word for the ground. It was just a couple of years after the initial discovery that an Ethiopian member of Tim White's team, called Johannes Haile Selassie, spotted the fossilized bone of another individual that led to the recovery of 125 bones of one individual, categorized as Ardipithecus ramidus and nicknamed Ardi for short. Ardi was discovered. At Oromis, Ethiopia. So we have a very good idea of what Ardi would have looked like. Ardi was female and just shy of four feet in height. Ardi stood and walked on her hind legs but would have been expertly capable at maneuvering around in the trees. Ardi's dental condition shows that her favourite foods would have been fruit and nuts. Although Ardi is classed as an Ardipithecus and not an Australopithecus, which is a more modern hominin, Ardipithecus is sometimes categorised as an Australopithecine. An Australopithecine is categorised as those extinct animals that are part of the human clade with all other humans that have ever lived and together that clade represents all the animals that have lived since the lineage of chimpanzees split from humans. Basically, some scientists believe that Ardipithecus can be part of the Australopithecines but the animals called Australopithecus are more recent than Ardipithecus. Quite confusing, but we will talk more about australopithecines in the next podcast. So that brings us up to our first proper subject episode about australopithecines, which will be the subject of the next podcast. So there you go, that's the end of episode one. And thank you so much for joining me for the first episode of this podcast. For those of you who are very familiar with the podcast, you may recognise that this is actually a re-recording of episode one. And this has been re-recorded around about 18 months after the original publication was made. And it's purely just an exercise in improving the quality of the audio and the presentation in general. Basically, it's still the same as it ever was for those of you who did listen to the first episode when it originally came out, so there's been no major changes to the information, but it's just an improvement of quality. So, thank you to all you new listeners who have listened to this episode, and thank you to those of you who have listened to this episode before and have come back and listened to it again. Now, the next episode, episode 2, will be about the australopithecines, so we'll be exploring what animals were on this planet that were most closely linked to human beings around 3 million years ago. All in all, there will be 24 episodes to this first volume, and we'll take a long journey right from this period through to the Neolithic Revolution and that period of time leading up to the first ancient societies of Sumeria and Egypt in around 3000 BCE. So you've got a lot to look forward to and a lot of information is coming your way. If this is the first time you've listened to the podcast, I should let you know that there is a website called historyoftheworldpodcast.com. You can come and visit it. You've got access to all the information, the bibliography for the podcast, many of the links to the websites that have been used to gather the information and some interactive stuff such as the social media that we're involved in. There's quite a good community of people that are involved in the podcast and uh, we want you to come and join us, so please do come along and check out the website. Now be sure to listen to episode 2 to find out more and to carry on this journey with us and it's on the Australopithecines and we will be introduced to the wonderful fossil that we call Lucy. So thanks for listening and see you again for episode 2. The History of the World podcast written and presented by Chris Hasler Please consider making financial contribution by going to the historyoftheworldpodcast.com website and clicking on the Patreon link. Email the show at historyoftheworldpodcast at mail.com. And don't forget to join our social media at Facebook, Twitter, Instagram and Tumblr. See you next time.